Hey everybody, this is Ray Jewell and I'm here in River Falls, Wisconsin. We're visiting my son and his wife for New Year's Eve. And I told Kevin I'd uh, do something uh, that he could uh, play back sometime uh, since we're not together to do this. Um, and I thought it would be a good idea to go through uh, what I'm going to be starting on uh, in my blog here uh, this coming new year. I've already started a little bit with an introductory post this morning on uh, the book of Revelation. Um, I, this is a, a book of the Bible that a lot of people uh, misunderstand. It's a lot. It's uh, something that uh, you know. If you take it literally, it can be misunderstood. It's not necessarily one of those books that should be taken uh, at face value. And there's a lot of reasons for that. I want to touch on some of that. But before I go any further, I want to give uh, a lot of uh, shout-outs to Robert Lowry. Uh, Dr. Lowry was my uh, main professor in my studies at Lincoln Christian. Uh, University back in the day it was Lincoln Christian Seminary. I was a New Testament major, and he was uh, the main professor for that, at least as far as my program was concerned. And uh, he taught me quite a bit about how to study Scripture, but also how to look at the Book of Revelation. Um, his book is one that I highly recommend. It's called uh, Revelation's Rhapsody, and it. It's pretty descriptive of what his uh, view of the book is. Sort of a symphony that has many different parts that uh, combine and uh, go together to produce this beautiful book that uh, you know many have had issues with over the years. But uh, anyway, um, some of the things that I would like you to gather first about the book of Revelation. First of all, it is an apocalypse. Now, the cle the the cue clue to understanding apocalypse. It's a lot of imagery, a lot of uh, symbolic language, and most, if not all, the numbers in the book of Revelation are symbolic of uh, one thing or another. Most of uh, you know the imagery is symbolic, and yet. Um, you know, I think we can get a clue as to what is being said in this book uh, simply by understanding, first of all, that it is uh, one of the uh, 27 books in the New Testament. And saying that, that means everything that we know about the New Testament uh, and actually the Old Testament, uh, there's there's a ton of illusion and direct quotations and, and symbols that are found in the Old Testament that are used in this, uh, in this book, The Apocalypse of Jesus Christ, that he gave to John, the, the author, as John was exiled on Patmos. Um, and that's, that's a crucial part of that, to see um, what John was trying to... Uh, communicate to the the churches, the seven churches in Asia Minor that are listed in chapters two and three, and who it is that's speaking to them. You know, the description of Jesus Christ is is really quite uh, amazing. We'll get into that when we uh, when I write about chapters two and three of Revelation. 
on how the different descriptive terms are meant specifically for that particular church uh, that's being addressed. But the, the thing about it is, it's not something that, you know, too many people take the time to, to try to understand. Another thing to remember is the, the book of Revelation is not just an apocalypse, it's also a revelation. You know, this is God revealing uh, what's going to happen probably in the near future for most of uh, you know, the book, except for chapters 21 and 22. Chapters 21 and 22 are definitely about eternity. Uh, the new heavens and new earth that uh, actually has a lot to say about how we view heaven today or at least how we should view heaven today but the other references to heaven and earth in uh, chapters 1 through 20 is uh, about heaven now uh, that people are in heaven currently and they're involved in worship of God and doing other things and that sort of becomes something of an outline for the book as we read through that, as, and we'll see that as more as we, we talk about it, as we write about it. But the third thing that is often forgotten, I think, when looking at the book of Revelation, it's also a circular letter. And by that I mean it's a letter that was written uh, to be passed around from church to church, similar to the letters of Paul and the uh, the general epistles like Hebrews and James and uh, First and Second Peter, First, Second, Third John and Jude. Uh, this was a message to all of them, and and one of the things that we can learn from that is there's a certain pattern to uh, how things uh, are communicated in in that. Uh, in that style of letter. Usually there's a, a, a salutation, a greeting of some kind, and then there goes uh, in the first uh, chapter, typically in, in one of these letters, is the introductory material that will give a clue about what's going to be addressed later on in the book, or in that particular letter. And that holds true in the book of Revelation as well. So we got those three uh, kinds of style that we're looking at. Now, we also need to understand more the history of what was happening at the time. In fact, uh, this probably permeates the New Testament world. The church was a church in exile. And by that I mean, you know, they're not citizens of this world. The Romans... Uh, came to understand Christianity as a threat to the way that they did things, that they uh, did politically, that they did religiously, and that they did culturally. And uh, you know, so uh, the, the author, uh, John, was trying to communicate God's truth in ways that the people would understand, but that would somehow get by the, the Roman guards that were there at Patmos, that were it was their duty to make sure he was not being subversive or, or whatever uh, they were accusing him of. Now, um, the other th some of the other things, uh, time is an important factor here in the book of Revelation. Uh, and where a scene is taking place has a lot to say. As you look at Revelation like in chapters 4 and 5, that's a heavenly scene. 
And that is uh, something that is happening now in a different uh, time dimension than what we are, but it is happening simultaneously that, that people are uh, worshiping and serving God even as we speak. We, we don't see him. Uh, we take it on faith somewhat that that this is what's happening, but the you know who is the lamb or who is found worthy to open the scroll that is to uh, uh, express all these things that are that are happening, and uh, the one that is found worthy is the lamb who looked like he had been slain, but he had you know was like a lion too. So. Uh, uh, fair description, a great description of who Jesus Christ is and what he did on the cross and his resurrection. But then there's also earthly scenes. Uh, chapters, I think, 12 and 13 uh, talk about the beasts, uh, the beast from the sea, the beast, uh, the, the number of the beasts is 666. You know, again, symbolic language that is referring to somebody that the people would have known in that day. Now, depending on when you accept as the uh, um, the date for the book of Revelation, some want to put it before 70 AD uh, because there's no mention of um, you know, the uh, fall of Jerusalem in there. And they want to say 70 A.D. You know, is sort of the magic number for all the uh, books to have been written that are in the New Testament. I'm not uh, completely sold on that, though I have some friends that I know are um, who would say that Jesus returned at 70 A.D. Uh, that would be called the preterist uh, way to go, and I'm not sure what just happened. All right. We had a little computer malfunction. That's not surprising with me in charge. <laughs> this is why I have to do these things with Kevin. Um, what was I talking about anyway? Oh, yeah. The, uh, uh, the sign of the beast. That's a symbolic number. And again, you know, people have tried over the years to identify this as the Antichrist and whatnot. And I'm not saying that there's not been a lot of uh, people who have been evil personified since the first century. But I think that it's either a reference to Nero or uh, Nero revisited in Domitian. And that's, uh, you know, it's just important to remember that this this uh, issue, again, would have been something that they would have uh, recognized and known who John was talking about in their day and in their time. Now, the, um, and the point of that is, you know, uh, he's, uh, you know, we, we tried to identify because we think this is something that's going to happen in the future. And I'm not saying that I personally think that, but a lot of people believe that, you know, the Antichrist is still to come, or maybe even alive now. Well, if that's already been dealt with, then we don't have to worry so much about it. Now, um, one of the key elements of this book is the prophecy aspect of it. Now, there, there's two ways to look at prophecy. And, and the church today and most people today consider prophecy to be telling the future. And there is some element of that in the book of Revelation, especially if we look at chapters 
2021-22. However, that is not the primary purpose of prophecy in the Bible. If you look at Old Testament prophets and the New Testament prophets, you know, prophecy is proclaiming the Word of God to His people in their framework, in their time, in their place, in their culture, uh, in their cultural setting. And that's why it's so important for us to do our due diligence to work at understanding what this is all about. It's not about, you know, some scary stuff that, that people need to be afraid of. It's about, um, you know, this has already been taken care of. And primarily, it's been taken care of on the cross uh, through Jesus Christ. And that, uh, you know, I'll get into that in chapter 20 when we talk about the whole uh, thousand-year reign uh, issue that, that comes up all the time when we talk about the book of Revelation. Uh, another issue that, you know, again, in order to study the book of Revelation correctly, you need to understand and have studied the Old Testament. There's, there are so many uh, illusions and quotations from the Old Testament, like from Daniel, like from uh, you know the the books of Moses. Um, there's just there's too many th- things there that if you don't know the Old Testament, you're not gonna understand what John is saying in that particular passage and that causes uh, can cause all kinds of confusion which is what uh, harbors the issue for for many today when they when they approach the book of revelation now the ultimate story the ultimate uh, meaning of the book of revelation is is summed up in two words as far as i'm concerned God wins. That's it. God wins. Um, and then the uh, subtitle would probably be something along the lines of, and we do too if we are followers of his. You know, so uh, it's, a, it's a book of victory over um, persecution. You know, we are called to be overcomers. We are called to persevere. It's a victory that has already been won on the cross, as I said before, uh, but it's going to be consummated when Jesus returns. Um, and then, you know, we will be with him for eternity. Um, in a very real sense, you know, the, the concept of heaven we have today is pretty skewed. It's more of a Gnostic idea of heaven where uh, it's out there somewhere in the future by and by and we're going to escape this evil earth. Well, folks, you know, I, let me remind you that God is the one that created this earth. God is the one that, that blessed it and, and gave mankind dominion over it and said, go and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. That is a job that we still have and instead of thinking that we are to escape this existence for an eternity in some nebulous state, uh, it's totally foreign to Scripture. It's like I said, it's a very Gnostic, it's a uh, Platonic idea that uh, is really um, 
believed, uh, carte blanche it seems, in our in many places today in the world. But in reality, when uh, when the gospel or the uh, book of Revelation talks about eternity in chapters 21, 22, the terminology is something different. It's the new heavens and new earth. And it talks about God coming down and, and walking and fellowshipping with his creation, with his image bearers, those who have been truthful and faithful to the Lamb who was slain and who rose again from that. And that's you know, should make a huge difference in how we live our lives uh, here and now. Um, you know, every time that I've looked at anything that has to do with eschatology or the end times, um, it's, it points to, always, always comes back to, because this is the case, this is the way things are, how are you going to live your life today, here and now? You know, instead of, uh, arguing and bickering over different, uh, differences in doctrine or theology, we need to be busy about doing the Lord's work here and now. Now, some of that is, yes, doing good theology, but more more important even is having good practice. You know, remaining faithful regardless of the persecution that comes, remaining faithful regardless of the political party that we uh, tend to support. Um, you know, being Christ-like, being citizens of heaven, you know, not living on this earth like this is our final resting place, and yet, in a very real sense, it is, because God will renew everything at the end of time, the, way, the end of time as we know it. And he's, you know, wanting us to prepare ourselves and other people for this uh, eventual reality. I guess the best way that I've ever heard it uh, described is this already not yet uh, phrase. The victory's already been won in Jesus Christ. Most of the things that are talked about in the book of Revelation, I believe, uh, were accomplished already um, within the time frame of the first couple of uh, centuries, probably, of uh, after the New Testament, and yet the, we're still awaiting the consummation, the the final trumpet, the second coming, the final coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, there's several cults out there that would have us believe that Jesus returned in 1914, and then on and on and on and on and on again. How many times is he supposed to come back? Well, the Bible says just two. You know, his first coming as a babe in Bethlehem, incarnate, uh, born of a virgin. You know, th- these are, are stalwarts of the, f- the Christian faith. You know, I mean, it uh, is open to criticism because these, you know, his, his birth of a virgin, his uh, resurrection, they're unique events. They happen only once. So it's hard to prove that in a test tube. You know, I mean, people would consider us crazy if, uh, yeah, and they probably do consider us crazy if they think that you know we're we're losing a screw because we believe in a virgin birth and we believe in a resurrection from the dead. 
And I just, um, I think that, uh, you know, we're really actually putting ourselves out on a limb, in a sense, to trust in this. And yet we have uh, plenty of historical evidence to back it up. Eyewitness accounts are huge for the Christian faith because, you know, God is the God of history. Um, he invented it. He made history. He made creation. He made the world. He made all these things. And, uh, you know, we have to trust that. Not divorcing ourselves from good science, you know, but to understand that God can work in ways that we don't understand. And be okay with that. You know, the book of Revelation is a book of mystery. God is a God of mystery. And the only way we can understand any of that is through his self-revelation. And that, therefore, the name of the book, you know, is Revelation. Christ is revealing to us things that we need to know in order to uh, survive on this planet, so to speak. Uh, and, you know, to live as uh, overcomers. And that's the, the thing, you know, if the new heavens and new earth is here, but it's going to be in a different way, then we need to be better at what he's called us to do. We need to make better relationships. We need to treat the earth better. We should be, Christians should be the best environmentalists that, that are out there, uh, simply because we are called by God to take care of his planet. And frankly, you know, we bought into the lies that uh, uh, the world tells us that it's consumable instead of being uh, protective of it and replenishing it. Okay. Um, you know, anyway, I'm really excited about doing this. I have uh, walked through the book of Revelation before. I've taught it. I've studied it. And I hope that it's beneficial for people. And as I said in my blog this morning, um, you might disagree with me. In fact, I'd be surprised if most of you didn't disagree with me. I'm used to that. <laughs> but, uh, um, but, and if you want to discuss these things on, online uh, you know, in response to my blog posts, that, that's fine. Just keep it civil. <laughs> you know, this is an attempt to help people learn. Uh, more than anything, and you know, maybe along the way, you know, we we will work together to come up with a, a better way, a better way to live our lives for Jesus, and that's the ultimate point of it all, that we live for Him. Uh, Happy New Year! I just continue to pray for Kevin as his uh, foot heals, and. Uh, I'm sure he'll be up and ready to to uh, be doing this on a regular basis again. I'd be surprised if he doesn't really soon because I know how much he loves this. And thank you for all of you who have joined uh, the Facebook page. We're well over 200 now, and uh, you know, the next milestone would be 300. We'd certainly enjoy having you become a part of our family as we look at the Bible together. So God bless, and again, have a happy new year.